Well, good morning, church family. Whether you are here in the auditorium with us or whether you are watching online at home, we are so thankful to have you with us here this morning. And we're very thankful that despite all of the circumstances that are going on right now, we are still able to be together, whether it's here in person or whether it's through this virtual space. We're just thankful that we have the technology and the resources to make that happen so that if you're not quite ready to come out yet or don't feel safe coming out yet, you're able to still be a part of our services at home. So we thank Thank you so much for being with us. Um, I hope you were able to, to pay attention to the video this morning. And I know a lot of you, especially if you've been here for a while, you've seen that video before. Um, I've actually played that video before with a different sermon series. But you will notice throughout our sermon this morning, if you were paying close attention to the video, there's going to be about four or five points out of my sermon that line up perfectly with that video. So I figured it would be remiss if we didn't at least show the video again, and that way we don't have to refer back to something that you saw over a year ago. Um, I want to thank uh, Brother Roberts for his communion thought this morning, and I don't know if he did that on purpose or not, but he perfectly led right into this concept that we've been talking about, about building resilient disciples and how relationships play a key role in doing that. Because he talked about the fact that sometimes you need that person behind you reminding you to row deep. And I love that, and I'm totally going to steal that, just so you know. I'm totally stealing the road deep thing. But I really like the, what, what the mental picture is there. And I love the fact that he talked about needing people to hold you accountable and needing people to kind of cheer you along. Because that's what relationships are all about, and that's why these relationships are so very important. So thank you for those words. I really appreciate that. Again, I don't know if he did that with the intention of leading into my sermon or not, but it was perfect. Um, so I do appreciate that. And I love that we're continuing to talk about relationships because at the end of the day, that's really what this is all about is our relationships with one another and most importantly, our relationship with Jesus Christ. So we are going to jump back into this series on building resilient faith. And I'm going to start with a story. And it's a story about a gentleman named Eli. And Eli got in his mind that God needed him to go and do big things. And he decided he was going to go from Jericho to Jerusalem because God needed his help there with all of the things that were going on in Jerusalem in this time and in this place. And just so you know that back in the time of Jesus, there were a lot of crazy things that were going on in Jerusalem. The, the priestly families, for example, were charging exorbitant prices for animals that could be purchased for sacrifice and things like this. So this, this guy named Eli decides, you know what, I'm going to get on my donkey and I'm going to ride from Jericho to Jerusalem. So he does just that. Well, along the way, they encounter a man on the side of the road who's been, who's been beaten and, and probably robbed. And he looks to his friends and he says, hey, see this guy on the side of the road? Because see, Eli was smart and he knew this was not a safe place to be traveling on his own. So he says to his friends, he says, hey, uh, look at this guy over here. And they kind of collaborate and say, yeah, we should probably, should probably think about helping this guy. So Eli decides, you know what? I am going to stop and I'm going to help this guy. And as he's getting off his donkey and, and he's contemplating his next moves, the wheels start turning. And he says, wait a minute. Why am I going to go help this one guy when I need to get to Jerusalem where I can help many, many, many people? So he says, you know what? This just isn't worth my time. 
So he gets back on his donkey and he rides on into Jerusalem. And when he gets to Jerusalem, sure enough, God is doing amazing big things in Jerusalem, which is exactly why he wanted to go, because he wanted to be a part of these things. So he gets there, and there's this radical young rabbi who's doing amazing things. He's flipping over changing, money-changing tables and doing all of these big things. And all of a sudden, Eli, the character in our story, realizes, oh, I guess he's got this under control. He doesn't really need my help after all. So this gets Eli to start thinking, and he's thinking, and he's thinking, and he's like, wow, so they don't really need me to do these big things. But what about that poor guy on the side of the road who I didn't help because I was in such a hurry to go do big things? Now, this, of course, is not the story that you thought it was going to be, probably. This is not the story of the Good Samaritan. And this is not the story that, that, that Jesus shared in the gospel because it's not a very good story, right? But do you know people, or have you ever been in that same position, that you are so focused on big, grandiose things that you can do that you miss the little things that are right in front of you? I think we've probably all been there at some point or another. I, I was thinking through this as we were giving our offerings this morning. And maybe you were in a position this morning where you were thinking, I really don't have much to give. So what good is my $20 going to do in the big scheme of things? Because, see, we want to do big things, right? We want to be the one that ends world hunger. We want to be the one that ends racism. We want to be the one that solves all the problems of the world. But we get so focused on these big picture things that we forget about the little things. See, what we don't think about is that $20 gets combined with this person's $20, which gets combined with this person's $20. And now, guess what? Now we can do bigger things. But see, we get so focused on the big things that we forget about the small things. So if you would, turn with me this morning to Matthew chapter 6 and verse 6. And this is where we're going to get started this morning with our scripture. And it says, but when you pray... Go into your room, close the door, and pray to your father, who is unseen. Then your father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. Now, see, we know that back in, in the, the olden days, let's call it, right? The Pharisees used to love to stand on the street corner with their arms in the air and make these big, glorious prayers to say, look at me, look at me, look at me, right? Because they thought they were doing these big things, right? Right? But see, that's not what we read in Matthew. Matthew doesn't say, hey, I want you to leave your house. I want you to go stand on your roof with a megaphone. And I want you to pray so that everybody can hear you. No. He says, I want you to go in secret and close the door and talk to the Father. Little things. That become big things. Because see, those little things is just what we're talking about. It's building that relationship with God. John chapter 5, uh, verse 17 and 18 says, In his defense, Jesus said to them, My father is always at his work to the very day, and I too am working. It says, For this reason, they tried all the more to kill him. Not only was he, bre was he <laughs> breaking the Sabbath, but he was even calling God his own father, making himself equal to God. 
We finish up or we move on to verse 19. It says, Jesus gave this answer. Very truly, I tell you, the son can do nothing by himself. He can only do what he sees his father doing because whatever the father does, the son does also. So, so what's he talking about, right? He's talking about what, what exactly is our work? What is it that you would have us to do? And he says, hey, I can only do what I see the Father doing or what the example that the Father have given, has given me. And when we look at that, our job, our mission, so to speak, right, is to love others. It's to love the people that Jesus has or will place in your lives. And what's that all about? That's all about relationships, right? It's all about building relationships. Because see, we looked last week, right? We looked at some, at some statistics. And one of the key things to being a resilient disciple was having relationships inside the church, inside the church family, inside the church body. And why is that so important? It's exactly what Brother Roberts was talking about this morning when he talked about the guy behind him reminding him to row deep. And that's what we do for one another because we build one another up. Right? We're there for one another. We need these relationships in order for us to truly become resilient disciples. So that's the work. We talked last week about our definition of what a meaningful relationship is, and that's being devoted to fellow believers who we want to be around and to become more like. See, the people that you surround yourself with, right, whether inside of the church or outside of the church, is who you become. You always hear this, this thing when people go down the wrong path, and what do they always say? Oh, they fell in with the wrong crowd. They fell in with the wrong crowd, and they got themselves in trouble, and they got off track. But if we're building those relationships with other people who want to be Jesus followers and who love Jesus like we do, then we're falling in with the right crowd. And that's going to point us in the right direction. And it says, this seems like a small thing, but it's anything but small work, because building relationships is hard. Right? Building relationships is hard. Whether it's a friendship, whether it's a boyfriend and girlfriend, whether it's a husband and wife, whether it's a mother and a son, or a father and a son, or a mother and a daughter, a father and a daughter. Relationships are hard. They take work. Right? They're not easy. It takes work on both sides to build relationships. So it seems like such a small thing. Well, of course I want to be friends with the people in my church. But it's not always that simple, right? Because we're all busy, and we all have other priorities, and it takes intentional relationship building. Relationships don't just appear out of thin air. It takes work, and it takes dedication on our part. And we know that it's not easy, but we have to be willing to invest that time in one another, not separated by our differences, right? Not torn apart by the things that are different about us, but joined together by the one thing that we all agree on, and that's Jesus Christ. And that's where it starts. So it doesn't matter where you're from or what your background is. What matters is we're all working towards the same goal of being closer to Jesus Christ and moving that bar of resilient disciples from that 20% that we've been talking about for weeks now to 30 to 40 to 50%. 
meaningful relationships. Too many churches are focusing only on what happens on Sunday, and an insufficient amount of time is spent working to facilitate experiences which people grow to like being with one another. How are we creating meaningful experiences with one another? Does that happen through programs? Maybe. But what happens is you build meaningful relationships when you spend time and you invest in one another. So let's imagine a church. A church that has no services, no stage. Now this may not be all that hard to to imagine right now, right? Because church just doesn't look and feel like what we would like it to be like. So maybe it's not all that hard to think about a church with no services and no stage and no preacher and no worship leader and no live stream. But how did the church start? Did Jesus go rent a building? Did Jesus go buy a building and put his name on the front and just hope people would show up? Of course not. We know that that's not how the church started. So what if we took all of this away? We took our beautiful building away. We took all of our teachers away. Take me away. Take Brandon away. But the mission is still the same. And that's to go and build and make and create disciples. What would that look like? What would that feel like? How would that even work? That's what I want you to think through this morning. And no, I'm not going to give you the answer. Because I want you to think through that. Because we're thankful, right, that we do have resources and that we do have this beautiful place to come together. Because I still think that coming together is important. Even if it is wearing masks and social distancing, I still think it's important. And you'll never change my mind about that. Because I think being together is how God designed us to be. And I think that God puts people in our lives to help us see him more clearly. So you'll never change my mind that we should be together. But what if we didn't have all of this? What if we truly had to do it like the old church did, or the early church did, if you want to call it that? It says, most of our ways we measure and experience church involve on doing things for people, but not necessarily being with people. We live in this beautiful place called Orange County. And we're blessed with beautiful homes and beautiful neighborhoods and nice cars and things like that. But sometimes it's just easier to to write a check and let somebody else do it, right? Instead of really coming together as a church in relationship with one another to help others. We have a beautiful example of that with our Comfort Cafe, Back before COVID hit on Thursday nights, we provide a hot meal, we provide groceries, and we have a group of volunteers that come together. And those volunteers are building relationships with one another while helping other people. And that's so important. And I know that we've tried in the past, and, I'm, and I know that we're going to try again. Once again, things go back to whatever normal looks like. But small groups are a perfect example one of the biggest things I miss about being in Phoenix, where we were before Lizzie and I moved back here to, to start working at the church here, is our small group. 
we had an amazing small group that met, met once a week. And it's so much more than just Bible study. Of course, that's a key component of it. But we built relationships with one another. And those relationships became just as important as our time in the Word. Because we were able to share the birth of our children with our small group. We were able to cry with and pray with our small group when Lizzie was having complications with her pregnancy. And we were able to be held and to hold accountable those other people in our small group because, again, we're all working towards that same goal of being closer to Jesus Christ. So let's look at the early church. We've mentioned it a couple times now. Let's look at it. We're going we're to start in Acts chapter 2. So if you have your Bibles, go ahead and open to Acts chapter 2, verse 42. You know, it's funny with technology the way it is today. I remember back when I was younger, way back when, because I'm getting old now, but way back when, and, and the preacher would say, turn to X, Y, Z, and you'd hear, whoosh, 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 hear all the pages turning. And now with all the electronics and everything that we have, it's, it's more just like scrolling, <laughs> which is fantastic. Don't get me wrong. I'm glad that we have the technology, that we can have the Bible at our fingertips anywhere we go. But, but it's funny because I, I still kind of wait sometimes to hear the pages turning to know when it's time to start reading. Anyway, Acts chapter 2, verse 42 says, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship. And to fellowship. Highlight that. And to fellowship. To the breaking of bread and to prayers. It says, Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. It says, all the believers were together. There's that word again, together, and had everything in common. As we continue in verse 45, it says, they sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. It says, every day, every day, they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their home and together with glad and sincere hearts. We finish up with verse 47. There we go. Verse 47 says, Praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. It says, And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. So there's two things that go together here, right? The early church didn't just meet on Sundays and Wednesday nights. Or just Sundays. Or if you grew up where I grew up, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. That's not, that wasn't the model that he set. The model was that they spent time together daily. So church, do we do this? Do we spend time with one another daily? Do we check in on one another? Do we call? Do we text? Do we email? Or is it just, love seeing you on Sunday mornings, see you next Sunday? Because, see, I think and I believe that these two concepts that you see on the screen, the fact that they met together day after day, and the fact that God added to their number, those two things go together in my book. So how do we do that? Because, right, it may not be realistic for us to physically be together every single day as the early church did. But, but what if we had that mentality 
of wanting to spend time together every day. What if we had that mentality of, I want to be with this church family every day? Because see, we all have cliques, and I hate to use that word, but it's true. Right? It's true. We all have our church friends and our church family and the people that we talk to on a regular basis, and that's great. There's nothing wrong with that. That's super important. But what if we together, right? What if Ken and I together say, hey, brother, I'm glad to have the relationship that I have with you. I love you as a brother in Christ. But hey, let's, let's, let's bring in John over here to our group. And let's invite him out to lunch on Sunday after church. Or let's invite him over for a Bible study. Because see, that's the example that was set for us. Because the apostles, right, they went out and they taught people. And oftentimes they went in groups of two or groups of three or whatever the case may be. We talked last week about Paul, right? Paul taught Timothy. What did Timothy do? Timothy taught others. What did those others do? Taught others. It's the ripple effect, right? It's the ripple effect. So it starts with me, and then I bring someone in and build relationships and disciple that person. And then that person disciples two people, and that person disciples two people, and you get the idea. That's how we expand our circles, and that's how we expand our relationships. And that's how we move that bar of 20% of resilient disciples to 30, to 40, and to 50. But it starts with us, just like how the ripple effect starts with the one, the one rock or the one stone or whatever it may be that you toss into the pond that starts the ripple effect. But they were together daily. Are we working daily to build relationships with one another? I don't know if we are or not. I hope that we're trying. I hope that we're trying, and I get it. We, we can't do like the early church did, unfortunately. We can't spend all day together every day, and we can't eat meals together every day. But are we at least trying to have that same mentality as the early church had? And that's that I want to spend time with my brothers and sisters of my church, and I want to truly build relationships with them. We've got to change the imbalance of programs over presence. And don't get me wrong, programs are good and programs are important. But we've got to shift our mentality from programming to people. And I think if we do that, we can see a change. Let's look at this concept of shared experiences. And we're going to start in 1 Peter chapter 4. And this is this idea of shared experiences, because this is how relationships are built. So 1 Peter 4, starting in verse 8, above all, love each other deeply, because love covers a multitude of sins. Again, it starts with love, right? I've often heard the Bible called a love story, right? Because it's all about the love that God had for us, the love that he had to send his son for us, not because we deserved it, because he loved us. So we've got to love like Jesus. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Hospitality. We don't really do this much anymore, but invite somebody over to your home. Let them in. Right? Have a meal with them. And not, not just with your circle. And without grumbling, we should want to be together. Each of you should use whatever gifts you have 
to re- <clears throat> whatever gifts you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in various forms. See, we, we each have different gifts. Okay, I can't sing to save my life. But Brandon has an amazing singing voice, and that's why Brandon is the worship leader, and I'm not. Because if I were the worship leader, you guys would have all left by now. But, but in seriousness, it's just an example of what we're talking about, is everybody's got to use their own gifts. And maybe that's teaching, and maybe that's preaching, or maybe that's leading a song, or maybe it's cooking in the comfort cafe, or, or maybe... You're someone who, again, once things open back up a little bit, can go to hospitals and sit with with folks who are sick. Or maybe you have that power of building relationships where you can pray with one another. Use the gifts that God gave you. Because if we look all the way back to the beginning, right, when, when the Holy Spirit was brought down and we were given the spiritual gifts, we were given those gifts so that they could build up the church. So we still got to use those gifts today to continue to build up the church. So let's continue. Starting in verse 11, it says, If anyone speaks, they should do as one who speaks the very words of God. The very words of God. So are we speaking kindly to one another? Are we speaking love to one another? Are we speaking positivity to one another? It says, if anyone serves, they should do so with the strength God provides, so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. So it's all about shared experiences. And that's exactly what this passage is talking about. And you say, well, what's a shared experience? A shared experience could be anything. Maybe there's something that you are really passionate about. Share that with someone else. Use that as a way to build relationships. Because if you think about the important people in your life, what are the things that you think about? Maybe it's going to a ball game with that person. Maybe it's going to the aquarium with that person. Maybe it was simply sitting down and having coffee on the couch with that person and having a meaningful conversation. Shared experiences build relationships. And we see over and over in the Bible the kind of the guidelines of how we do that. So with everything that's going on in our world right now, we can start to make a difference through relationships and love. Because I can't do it by myself and you can't do it by yourself. Because even though we may want to do big things, and yes, we know God can do big things, it starts with us. It starts with intentionally building relationships through love. Because see, I can't end social injustice by myself. If I could, I would. Of course I would. Because I think that's what Jesus would want. But I can't do it by myself. But I can be intentional with the relationships that I have and be open and listening and talking and loving others. And that's how we make a change. Because imagine if we all did this. If everybody acted out of love and made the effort to get to know other people, 
we could do amazing things through God. And we still can. But again, it's all about relationships. So last week we talked about two things that statistics show are on the rise in our country. And those two things that we talked about were isolation and mistrust. Isolation and mistrust. So even though through technology we're more connected than ever, statistics show that more and more people feel alone and feel isolated. And, and, and the whole reason we're looking at this whole relationship idea is how do we overcome that? So we're going to wrap this up in Romans chapter 12. So Romans chapter 12, I hope that you'll read with me starting in verse 9. It says, love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need and practice hospitality. There's that hospitality word again. It says, bless those who persecute you, bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice, mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. See, that's so important. Be willing to associate with people of low position because that's what Jesus did. Jesus went to the sinners and the tax collectors and the prostitutes. But sometimes we say, oh, you know what? I'm not going to minister to that person because they don't look like me. They don't talk like me. They don't act like me. No, no, no. It says, don't be afraid. If we pick up in verse 17, it says, Do not repay anyone evil for evil, but be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live in peace with everyone. So much easier said than done, right? Because there's always going to be some people, right, that we just don't necessarily like, maybe even within our church family, but we're reminded We still need to love those people and try to be at peace with them as much as possible. It says, do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge, I will repay, says the Lord. Again, not our job to repay evil for evil, not our job to judge people. It says, on the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Again, it's reminding us about this importance of building relationships, and it's giving us the tools of how to do it. It's reminding us that it's so important that we need to put our differences aside, that we need to put all of the negative things aside, and focus on the love that comes from Jesus Christ. So what do we take away from that? What do we take away from that? We've got to do what Jesus did best. Jesus built relationships. Jesus focused on 12 people. 
He poured into them day after day after day after day after day so that they could then go out and turn the world upside down. The apostles turned the world upside down and they did it through relationships. And I believe that we as the church can do the same thing if we can truly get on the same page and be working towards the same goal, we can still turn this world upside down. But we've got to move that bar from 20%. Because 20% of resilient disciples isn't going to change the world, but maybe 30 can, or 40 can, or 50 can. And we can get there, but we do it through relationships. So we've got to do the same as Jesus did. We've got to build those relationships. Maybe this morning you have never had the opportunity to be baptized We have an opportunity for you to do that here this morning, to give your life to Christ, to receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, and to have your sins washed clean. Or maybe you've been a Christian for a long time, but there's something that we as a church can help you with. Maybe you need prayers. Maybe you just need somebody to talk to. You'll have an opportunity to do that here this morning. And if you're with us online, please don't hesitate to reach out if we can help you in any way. We are still here as a church staff to help you in any way that we can. So in just a moment, we're going to sing another song together. And if we can help you in any way, please feel free to come forward during the song selected. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be your name. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be your glorious name. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be your name. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be your glorious name. Well, again, thank you so much for joining us this morning, whether you're here in person or whether you're joining us online, wherever you may be. We are thankful that you chose to spend your Sunday morning here with us. And please join me as I close us out in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this beautiful Lord's Day that you've given us, this opportunity that we have to come together wherever we may be, that we are able to just continue to bless you, continue to sing songs of praises unto you, and to learn another portion of your word. Heavenly Father, as we get ready to go our separate ways, we ask that you would just be with us, continue to watch over us, and continue to bless us. Most of all, Heavenly Father, we just thank you for sending your Son. We know that that was a sacrifice that was made out of your love for us, and certainly not that we were deserving of it. So we thank you so much for that. It's in Christ's name that we pray. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us. Have a great day. Two fallen soldiers, let us see. Oh, you're welcome. Where no rockets fly, nor bullets Justified embrace eternal